our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Today, I actually wanted to spend a few minutes just giving our listeners an update on last week's episode. So in that episode, as an intro, we spoke about just the issues and the challenges that we're going through in life right now. Well, I'd like to say that I actually have finally secured a place in Toronto and I am stress-free right now. I'm so happy. I'm so energetic. And it's amazing how much just like the stress of not having an apartment or a place secured for next month, how much it impacts you, you know? I have been stressed for you. I think I'm one of those people that like, if other people are stressed, I get stressed. So it's been a rough week for both of us. Yeah, I just, I feel like I have not been the greatest human to be around, but I'm so glad that that's all over. I'm just happy for you, Sonia, honestly. I think some people, I feel most people love stability, love like knowing that if they're sightseeing and stuff, they've got somewhere to come back to and Airbnbs are expensive. Oh my God. They're so expensive. And I just want to say that we didn't go through a realtor. We didn't like go through another like leasing consultant or whatever. I did that. She did that. And I'm so proud of myself in this rental market. She did it. She secured the spot. Are you going to add self-realtor on your LinkedIn? I mean, I should have. I feel like I could be an amazing real estate agent. I would like really like vouch for people, you know. But give us an update on your burnout. Is she still burnt out? Why would you say that? That's what a way to introduce me. Hi, guys. That's literally word for word how you described the situation that you were going in last week, which is why I wanted to give the people an update. I'm fine. It's good. Thanks. Do you know what? The fact that you took it as an attack, I would say to the audience that I think she's still a little bit burnt out. I think we should move on. Well, anywho, what are we talking about today, Mr. Musk? So we are talking about Mr. Musk, also known as Elon Musk. I wanted to do this episode with Sonia today because I think we owe the people an update on why we are a little bit over Elon Musk. I'm sure we're not alone in the sentiment, but I want to break down and give us a little bit of reasoning behind it. Because you know when you have a thought or a feeling and you're like, oh, I just feel this way. And people are like, why? And you're like, I can't put it into words. I just don't like him. I don't like the man. We're here to give you some solid reasons, some solid backing, some data and research as to why we are completely over Elon Musk. 
Who was Elon? Where did he come from? A little bit of background about the man. Elon Musk came from a very wealthy family in South Africa, and I think a lot of people don't get to know that or they don't realize it. He does come across like this self-made billionaire, sort of self-made trope. I'm I'm sure he's worked extremely hard, but it's kind of like that whole sentiment of, yeah, I just had a small loan of like $500 million, as Donald Trump has once said. So his family owned Emerald Mines. He's 51 years old, which is honestly quite young because that's like younger than I parents on you and he had a really messed up family scenario slash situation and honestly if I grew up in the same way that that man did I too would be spending like 80 hours a week at work I think his like stepfather married his sister or got his sister pregnant like something really messed up I think they're still together and then he started a bank when he was younger called x.com this is like many years ago in the early 2000s and then merged that with the company Confinity and then Confinity became PayPal. Now PayPal is that company that there's this like PayPal group where all of the founders slash CEOs of PayPal ended up doing lots of different things and doing really well for themselves and he was one of them so he's part of like the PayPal group and then eBay bought PayPal. So you can imagine that Eventually, when he exited the company of his shares that he started off with X.com, he had a little bit of extra cash on him. He also, in 2002, started SpaceX, which is his aerospace manufacturing company. I, I think a lot of people assume that SpaceX is new because it's been talked about more recently. He's got like all the videos of, you know, trying to reach Mars and everything recently, but it's been, I guess, a dream of his for a very long time. He's also got the Boring Company, which is the tunnel making company. That's the one where if you You've seen like the boring company flamethrower or the boring company like, I don't know, Frisbee. That's the company that he does those with. He's got an AI company. So basically right now he's still the CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink and the boring company. A lot's going on with this person, but let's get straight into why we're just not as impressed with him as maybe we used to be. And I just want to preface what I'm about to say with a little bit of history about how we used to view Elon Musk, or at least myself, back a few years ago, especially more around, you know, start of 2020. Tesla was really rallying and rallying is a term, a jargon term that means that the share price was really going up. There was more demand than shares, which means that the share price just kept increasing, increasing. And I started to notice there was a sort of cult like following for Elon Musk a little bit like what GameStop ended up being like, but pre-GameStop. So before meme stocks existed, it was kind of the first, wow, like look at all these people. They're really talking about Elon Musk like he is their best friend. They're really like, I see him like they are part of his life or part of his journey. And it was just because he came across as very approachable in the eyes of social media. So what I mean by that is, you know, you see public figures and you feel like there's a gap or a separation between you and said public figure. For example, like the queen, the the queen's on one side and you're on the other side. And there's a bit of distance between, you know, what she does, how she feels and your understanding of her and your personal relationship that you do or do not have. With Elon Musk, he really removed that barrier and made himself seem like such an approachable guy that you could honestly just like tweet on Twitter and he'd reply and he'd, you know, talk the way we would talk. He would use memes. He would do things that were just, you know, silly and fun and goofy. And that really reduced that distance, like the same distance you had between the queen and yourself. You don't have that same distance between Elon Musk and yourself. So that's how he started. The issue is his unruly use of Twitter, which is literally market manipulation, and it has pissed me off beyond means of anything in the world. Let me explain what I mean. 
In 2018, this was probably one of the worst examples of what he's done. He just tweeted being like, hey, yeah, like Tesla has secured funding for a private takeover, which basically means that if people had Tesla shares, eventually it would be brought out by the private company that's trying to take it over and that you would make a profit. And so a lot of people started buying up Tesla shares going, oh my God, oh my God, like I'm going to make some money off this. Turns out it like hadn't been actually solidified. He just said it, which was literally a lie. And the US Securities and Exchange Commission sued him for falsely tweeting that he had secured funding when he hadn't. He did settle with the SEC. He still did not admit his guilt and he had to temporarily step down from his chairmanship as, you know, in Tesla. What kind of human being does that once and goes, you know what? I will continue to tweet about my company to continue to move the market up and down and not hold myself accountable for people losing and gaining money. He's done it again, like with the whole Twitter thing. Oh my goodness. For those that don't understand what he did with Twitter, he was like, yep, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it for, let's say he said $39 a share. Let's say Twitter was only $22 a share. Everyone thought if I quickly buy up some Twitter shares, he will have to buy them off me for $39 and I'll make a profit. He still hasn't ended up doing it. Twitter shares have dropped and again people have lost money and it's like how do you keep doing this it just is such a testament to his like personality to be so impulsive and just brash with what he says like as a ceo like i get being an impulsive person and then on like some layer of it you know we all share news before things have been secured because that's how excited we are oh that's how we're looking forward to sharing the news but as a ceo it's not only impacting him it's impacting his whole company it also is something that he doesn't it's not like you know whoops he did it once or like whoops he did it twice he'll do it with things that aren't even things that are completely related to its company like he'll be like yes like dogecoin da 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 and then he'll like push up the price of dogecoin and then he'll do like saturday night live and suddenly dogecoin shares like plummet and it's just so ridiculous because when you have that kind of relationship with people and we look we're not elon musk we're not beyonce but even we understand that we would never post something along the lines of like this is the next big thing or like this is what you should do or even hint at the idea of like everyone should buy the specific company's share because that's going to put people in harm's way because I don't know what your personal circumstances and Elon Musk definitely doesn't and the kind of guys and girls that follow him usually are younger and maybe you know we are maybe a bit more susceptible to being influenced by this 51 year old I just think it's silly yeah I think It is silly and it is dangerous. He 100% knows what he's doing when he's tweeting and saying these things. And also because he's done it more than once and probably before he did it the first time, he knows that the consequences of doing said thing, he just does not care. Point blank, period. I noticed, Sonia, that in the transcript, we do like little bullet points for these kind of talks just so we don't uh, lose track. You've written market manipulation, you D-I-C-K. Did you want to talk about that? I said what I said. And I meant what I said. Amazing. So in conclusion to one of the reasons why I'm kind of over Elon Musk, it is because I don't feel like he truly has the people's interest at heart. He definitely did come across like the people's man. I think in the same way that, clearly not a Donald Trump supporter, but in the same way that Donald Trump was trying to come across like the people's person, like tweeting a lot, feeling really accessible, making jokes, not being like your average politician. 
I think Elon Musk tried to play on that same idea of like not being your average CEO and seeming cool and hip, but that man doesn't care about us. I'm almost like, wow, this billionaire didn't care. Like who would have expected? And that's what I think people need to understand. And that's why I'm really glad that you talked about that distance. These people do not care. They tweet on the internet or they might seem approachable on the internet or you might get a response. That man on a private jet versus you in like a basement apartment in your bedroom, two different things, two different worlds, you know? Are you talking about yourself because you're in a basement apartment? Correct. I was like, that's a little bit too specific. Second reason why I'm, you know, quite over Elon Musk is the idea of like this billionaire halo effect. Now, I want to set the scene with two points. First point is I do not actually think there is anything wrong with being a billionaire. Second point, Sonia doesn't agree with this and this is not Sonia's views. These are my own. I think to be a billionaire in this world just means that you have often shares of a company and if they get inflated, if lots of people buy up shares, that can push you into billionaire status. It doesn't mean you've, of course, got the money. It just means on paper you're a billionaire for most people and that's fine. You know, it is what it is. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. What the issue I have with Elon Musk is not that he has money, but that as a CEO or a person of leadership in his company, he seems to have no consequences for his mistakes. He is uncancelable, and that really, really gets to me. In the issue of like, if you have shares in any company, you hope that the CEO or leadership people really just take care of their brand and their professional. And if they're not, often their share price dips and you jump out. A good example would be like Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos was not a great CEO. He couldn't make it and he did step down. Same with Peloton, you know, Peloton CEO, same with Netflix, you know, their CEOs weren't performing well or there was some PR mishap, so they did step down. Other people stepped in and their share prices went back up. This is vastly different from most CEOs because with CEOs like them, we will see them be somewhat accountable for the company and their behavior and a good CEO pushes the company forward which hopefully means that their share price goes up because we have more confidence in the company. I do not see confidence in Elon Musk and yet his share price still doesn't drop. He's still like kind of just living life, you know, doing whatever. And I think it's dangerous when you 
start to realize like, hey, I could do anything and I'm still not going to get canceled. Like I could, he literally like got one of his staff members pregnant like a few months ago, the news came out and like no one is like, wow, I should probably like dip out of, you know, this company that's not good. Or he'll literally like do X, Y, Z or tweet something horrible and no one cares. I mean, even Bill Gates left Microsoft's board when he, there was an investigation with, you know, an, an affair with an employee. Even Intel CEO resigned when he described some kind of like past consensual relationship with a manager, like consensual, but still inappropriate. And so for me, when you don't have consequences about being a bad leader, there's no incentive to continue to be a good leader. And I don't like that for my shares. If you go on Tesla's Wikipedia, not that Wikipedia is a reliable source whatsoever, you know how on this table they have like facilities and partners and like business strategy, like how it started, founding history. The largest section is their lawsuits and controversies section. So it is broken down by titles, sexual harassment, labor disputes, fraud, Tesla US dealership disputes, intellectual property disputes, defamation, misappropriation, environmental violations, property damage, racism, and conduct during their COVID-19 pandemic. This isn't even just Elon Musk. This is the company's controversies. With Elon Musk's page, it doesn't even call it controversies. It It just calls it views. Like, no, no, it's not controversy. It's just existential threats, politics, COVID-19, financial and technology. The other thing with him is that what I'm trying to say with Elon Musk is that his billionaire halo effect where he is uncancelable and there's nothing wrong with what he does as a person is going to start spilling over to the idea that there's nothing wrong with what he does in leadership. And I think that's kind of what Sonia's reasoning for not liking him kind of spills into his leadership style so do you mind telling us your tea yes now before i dive into this i just want to set the scene and give a little bit of context my previous role before i started doing girls that invest full-time i was a team leader i led 14 beautiful people and it was my job for two years i've been in and out of leadership workshops i've read every single Brene brown book and like other leadership book that you can think of. And I'm not saying that to make it seem that I'm an expert in all things leadership. I just have more than just an employee point of view when it comes to this stuff. And that's why I get super riled up about it. Kind of like how Sim got riled up about the market manipulation thing. This is my emotional point. Like it grinds my gears. And I also just want to say, I understand that everyone has different leadership styles and that not everyone in your team or company is going to like the way that you lead. That makes sense. However, I think there's some capabilities that all leaders should have. So for example, empathy, genuine care for your Uh, team and your employees and their success and flexibility. And what I mean by flexibility is someone in your team, if they don't like your leadership style, so for example, if you're one to give really direct feedback and they don't want that, then I feel like it is your responsibility as a leader to adjust the way that you give feedback so it's more effective for them rather than just making them feel like crap and vice versa. If you're the type to give fluffy feedback, give more direct feedback for your person. I feel like All the employees that have come out to speak about him, they've had nothing but negative experiences. And just from my research, it doesn't seem like he possesses any of the capabilities that I talked about. 
Now, a quote that I think that describes his leadership style quite well is from Dolly Singh, who was actually a former SpaceX employee. She says that diamonds are created under pressure and Elon Musk is a master diamond maker. This man is known for his micromanagement and he believes that that pressure will result in productivity levels, whereas former Tesla employees said that his micromanagement actually costs time and money. He said in a New York Times article in 2020 that he didn't have anyone he could delegate his work to, which just translates to he doesn't have anyone that he can trust. I don't imagine as someone that works with him or reports to him, I don't imagine that would have great results for employee engagement and satisfaction. There's also various reports of him just saying and doing what he wants in meetings, having explosive moments, and if he's annoyed at you or dissatisfied with your work, he'll definitely let you know, whether it's in a room full of people or in a one-on-one. And he's also known to fire his employees quite impulsively. In 2021, Tim Higgins released a book called Power Play, and that has so many examples of Musk just berating his employees. I think for me, if you have one article that comes out about you, about like an employee not being satisfied with your leadership, that's bad in itself. But having multiple reports come out about you, it leads to a consistent pattern of behavior in the way that you treat your employees and the people that you work with, which is absolute crap. And if you work in that environment as someone that does need to report to him, it will not have the long-term results of productivity that you're hoping for. In the short term, that pressure might equal work and productivity because that's out of fear. But for innovation and creativity to happen genuinely, you need to exist in psychologically safe environments where you feel like you're allowed to make mistakes, you're allowed to try new things, and you feel respected and valued for the work that you do do. Plus, if that's how you're treating your direct reports, then I imagine that just has a flow-on effect to how your leaders treat their teams, so no one's having a good time. Now, in 2019, Alliance Bernstein put out a report stating that Tesla as a company has had an annualized turnover rate of 44% for executives that report to Musk. That is not an insignificant number. Now, in conclusion to this point, do I think that Elon Musk is a visionary? Yeah, sure, I'll give him that. There seems to be a pull to him that people have, but do I think that he's a great leader? Absolutely not. Another reason that I don't particularly like him is that I just find that he doesn't align with my values and morals. Circling back to Sim's point of Musk having no sense of accountability and there just seems to be no consequences to what he says and what he does from continuous examples of manipulating the market to his tweets about the pandemic being a hoax and not agreeing with lockdown rules for public safety, his opinion on tax, comparing the Prime Minister of Canada to Hitler tweeting pronouns suck during pride month which is transphobic i find that he just does not align with my values and morals at all which equals to me not liking him and you may have different values and morals and you actually don't find him to be that terrible and that's fit what i'm hearing is i feel like it can work short term in the short term yep that's great like pressure builds success and it makes people like work hard and but long term you're going to all burn out and you're going to all end up hating each other. And like you've said, 
if your turnover rate is bad, even just from a stock market point of view, that's bad for your shares because sure, right now Tesla might be skyrocketing or doing well, but in long term, these cars aren't going to be made well. In long term, they're not going to have innovation because people are tired. In the long term, that company is going to start plateauing and I don't like that, not just for the people involved, but even from a selfish point of view of like your own shares. In conclusion, the reason that we personally are over Elon Musk is one, he causes market manipulation, which is not cute. Two, he's taken on this billionaire halo effect where he can do no wrong. And that's scary to me, like the no consequences. Sonia then talked about his leadership style, which honestly, it's appalling. I'm surprised he's still functioning the way he is. And as she said, he's just like genuinely unlikable and questionable in the way that he conducts himself. One of the quotes that I really believe in, which not a lot of people I think agree with, that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if you're going to be like really questionable and terrible in the way that you treat your staff or the way that you comment to some diver that's literally trying to save children, I can't imagine that you do things differently in your day-to-day business activities. Full disclaimer, because we both invest in the S&P 500 or have S&P 500 shares, we actually do have a small percentage in Tesla shares. When it comes to ethical investing, I'm of the belief that if I don't want to support a company, I won't buy their individual shares because that makes up a greater portion of my portfolio. And at this stage in my life, I'm just, I'm not seeing a future where I'm picking up more Tesla. Now, as always, if you are interested in learning a little bit more about investing, you can check out more episodes. We've got our Instagram girls that invest. We've got our Facebook. We've got 25,000 followers in there which is crazy we've also got our best-selling book girls that invest and um, we have a whole section on ethical investing in that if it's something that you are interested in and keep an eye out for our next masterclass because it is coming up shortly to finish off our disclaimer so girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence